What does an 18-year veteran of the tech industry and a 20-year veteran of the military have in common? More than you might think. Welcome everyone to the, the Second, Second Act podcast. podcast, leveling up your life's journey. Hey, John. Hey, Michael. Good morning. How you doing, sir? I am doing great. How are you doing this morning? Man, it is it is a good day. I, I didn't get my workout in this morning, Oh, uh, but I'm loaded up with coffee, so that's going to make up for <laughs> it until after we record and then we're off to the gym. So definitely feeling a little bit different than usual because my normal routine is workout, a little bit of self-time and, 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 and a quiet time, and then we hit record, but not today. It doesn't always work out with kids, so no, we're going to give it, it a doesn't. go. Yeah, I I did a mini a mini workout today. It's a quick ten minutes on the TRX straps for some strength training, but uh, hey. it's not enough. But it, you know, I I after reading a really interesting post, I shared on LinkedIn about a dial versus a switch, uh, yep. all or nothing versus like just doing what you can. You know, dialing it down but getting something in that has yeah uh, resonated with me, and uh, and that's what I applied this morning in in my uh, my prep. For this this episode love it definitely a dial sometimes you gotta turn it up to 11 to make up for <laughs> yeah, those you fours, do. though. you do you do um all right well welcome back to the second act podcast with michael and john uh we are here in another amazing episode uh and thrilled to have another guest speaker on our show today yeah in our last episode um we discussed a variety of things uh, that hopefully inspired and motivated our audience uh, and more to come on those two important uh, characteristics in the conversation that we're going to have today. So why don't you yeah. introduce our amazing guest here, John? Yeah, man. Well, I, I'm really excited about uh, today's episode. We've got David Lucas and uh, man, we're honored to be joined by him. He's a 26-year Army Special Forces officer who has spent almost his entire career within the special operations, serving in some of DOD's most esteemed organizations, such as 75th Ranger Regiment and the 5th Special Forces Group, and has completed 11 overseas deployments. Holy cow. Uh, I thought impressive. four or five was a lot, but 11, man. Most recently, Dave commanded a special operations task force operating across the Middle East in the fight against ISIS. He, he currently is a battalion commander at the JFK Special Warfare Center and school at Fort Liberty, North Carolina, where he's responsible for developing the next generation of Green Berets. Wow. He is an expert in irregular warfare, as well as the creation, training, and employment of unique and specialized capabilities. Outside of leading some of our nation's finest soldiers in support of our nation's national objectives, Dave likes to spend time with his wife of 21 years. Congratulations. Congrats. And their two beautiful children on various family adventures. Man, Dave, <laughs> I'm sure your background has piqued uh, our audience's interest. I know it's piqued mine, but uh, yes. welcome to the show. Welcome to Second Act. Hey, thanks, John. Thanks, welcome. Michael. It's, uh, it's, it's great to be here. Man, well, that is a lot of history, and uh, we've got not a lot of time, so we're going to just get right into it. So, 
Dave, first of all, again, welcome on the show, but let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up and what are some of your childhood memories that really shaped your thinking and influenced your decisions at a younger age? Well, uh, you know, so I'm originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. I grew up there. I, I guess I would say I originally I was born in Richmond. When I was six, I moved to Tennessee. So I am a, a Tennessee native with a touch of a touch of Virginia. Um, okay. I come from a service uh, service oriented family, and you know, and as I look back on my on my childhood, it, it was great. I'm one of four kids, uh, two boys, two girls. My dad was a lawyer. My mother was a uh, was a teacher, uh, but spent most of my life uh, raising uh, raising hooligans like myself. And <laughs> as I grew up, you know, it, it's to to focus on one or two things is 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 very difficult. But I will tell you one thing that that really sticks out was when I was nine years old. Uh, my dad took me out to Wyoming, and uh, and we did a two week trip out through the uh, through the back country, and it was uh, yeah. There were lessons that I learned out there. One, it was just a lot of fun, uh, and yeah. uh, two, it was uh, it was full of lessons that I later on probably drew from. Of you know, hey, you got to yeah. do it yourself, right? And uh, and then it was so meaningful to me that I actually took my son on the same. I, I recreated the trip uh, many years yeah, cool. later when my son turned ten. The day after his tenth birthday, we flew out and spent two weeks out in Wyoming in the Wind River Range specifically, if anybody's familiar, but, uh, and then Tetons, Yellowstone, the whole shebang. Oh, beautiful. So it was, yeah. it, it was phenomenal. So it was, it a combination of uh, family vacation slash wilderness training or like what was, what was going on that, that sort of made it so special? It was just being out, uh, both trips was just being out both as the son and then as the father, uh, being out with my dad and then being out with my son. Uh, for my son, he, you know, he was ten. He's never known a world without Wi-Fi and, and without cellular coverage. <laughs> so, uh, of course, that didn't exist uh, in the uh, in in '87 when when I first went out there. And as we were driving out, my son said, "Hey, Dad, can I use your phone for something? Can I look something up?" Absolutely. He looks over and he goes, "Why does it say no no service?" So that was <laughs> that was lesson number one. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, so it was it, it was great, you know. But just being able to spend that time together both uh in both circumstances it, it really is invaluable because you see very very few people out there and as you're as you're going out there you have nothing to do but but to talk stop and fish and streams and and uh make camp for the night and and you get into that rhythm and it's uh it's 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 great so my wife asked me before we left she said what what will you do if you go out there and he uh, he decides halfway through he doesn't want to he doesn't want to do it anymore and i said well that's the beauty of it Nobody cares. Yep. And uh, once you once you <laughs> step foot, like you're in it, and you have to you have to own it, and you you've got to do it. And that was a lesson my son learned, and as as well as myself. So it was uh, it was really invaluable. Very cool. And that that trip is actually you you kind of cauterize the learning points that you got on that trip with your son. I think that you you learned with your, you know, originally with your dad taking you on that trip. And then you were able to kind of pass those um, things along to your son. And you, you had that experience wrapped up in a LinkedIn post. I encourage anybody listening that wants to read it. It's really encouraging just to, you know, be present with your kids, but also just to kind of present them with difficult choices that they've got to now walk, you know, figure out on their own, which direction they're going to go. And, and what route they're going to choose. So um, great post, by the way. Thank you. On that. Appreciate it. Yeah. And using that as a 
forcing mechanism for mindfulness and being present. Uh, and yeah. a lot of people, I think, nowadays yearn for a world where they can get away from the technology for a period of 24 hours a week probably seems like an eternity to most people nowadays. Uh, let alone, you know, people are, if they don't have their phone for an hour, they want to know what's happening. Um, so I, there's certainly a lesson in there that, that, uh, you'd made me think about with my family and, and my son. So I'll have to rethink, uh, maybe what we're, we're planning to do next summer, uh, for vacation. So thank you for that, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Highly recommend it for anyone. It is a, uh, it is, it is life-changing. Absolutely. Well, Dave, what, what, was the catalyst that made you actually want to step out and serve your country? And when did that decision take place? Well, there's, there wasn't a specific act. As I said, my, my, my dad had served. He's a Vietnam veteran. Uh, my grandfather, my, my, actually my son Trace recently, uh, back and we actually have the oldest person. So the first person born that is buried in Arlington cemetery. Uh, is a relative, wow. distant relative of ours. So our family oh, wow. goes all the way back to Man. the uh, to the revolution, and so it, it just runs in our family. Uh, I was never pressured. In fact, when I came home after I'd made the decision, I came home and told my parents at breakfast one one morning. I said, "Hey, I've decided to join the army, and uh, this is what I want to do." And my 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 mom cried, and my dad said, uh, "My dad told me all the reasons that I shouldn't join." And I asked him later. I said, "Well, why why'd you do that?" He said, well, I, I didn't want you to join un, under false pretenses. I wanted you to understand wow. what, what was in store potentially. And this is all prior to 9-11, so uh, it, it, it was good. And then what made the decision for me was I, I was actually vacillating back and forth between two, uh, two paths I wanted to go. I was 18, uh, 17, 18, as most young men do. I, I thirst for adventure. I wanted to get out. I wanted to leave <laughs> Tennessee and go, go do some stuff. I had uh, I'd actually been hired on. I was going to go out uh, and work on a ranch in Wyoming. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, I thought that would be great. Uh, but instead, I joined the army, and uh, that was the other that was the other course of action that uh, that I was going back and forth. And I was I chose the army. I don't regret it, but uh, but I still I still don't have a horse, and I still still I don't think I'll ever be a cowboy. <laughs> but it uh, it was something that I really wanted to do, but maybe in a, another lifetime. That your story isn't too far away from mine because I was offered a job outside of college sitting behind a desk, not Wyoming and not on a farm, but very, very sedentary. And I thought, man, there's got to be more to, to doing life. And, and I'm able, I'm young, I'm at, you know, ready to go serve my country. I think I'm going to choose that choice. So it's interesting how you, when you're put in front of a decision you know, you can choose either the easy route or, or not the easy route, but you can choose a route or you can kind of force yourself into some of those growth places that really make us who we are today. So. Absolutely. And, you know, my, as I said, my, my family, both my grandfathers were World War II veterans and, and I always looked up to them and there's so much, you know, there, there's something about service and serving something greater than yourself that I probably didn't appreciate as a teenager. Uh, but, but have grown into and and really truly appreciate that something that I try and pass on now to uh, that we try and pass on to our kids and that is really you know it's okay to get out you know it's not limited to the army it's there's a whole host of ways you can work in the civilian world 
and volunteer in your local community. It can be something simple as, as volunteering at church or wherever you go, right? But just doing something yep. that that helps other people. And I've been very fortunate, yeah. as, as you have, John, to find a career that allows you to do that while also having a lot of fun working with great people and and uh, and getting to travel all over the world. And so it's Absolutely. been it's been great. I'm I'm really intrigued by your father's response. Um, it was similar to my father's response, but your your dad went to uh, West Point. He was a cadet at West Point, correct? And he was. Yeah, and then for him to come back with with that response of not wanting to push you into the service, like so many of our fathers have done, is kind of encourage us to take routes that they're familiar with. Um, but he he chose the alternative just to see kind of test your metal and see if that was really truly a decision you wanted to uh, take. It was definitely a surprise for my family. I, I fit the uh, the mold of your typical special forces officer, which was which is to say I was pretty rambunctious, to say the least, in high school. <laughs> so my parents didn't think I would do well with authority and, and that sort of thing. And uh, uh, what, uh, what I have uh, been able to do as, as most of the guys uh, uh, or folks that I've worked with is, is channel that uh, channel that into something positive and it's been a lot of fun yeah that's awesome well dave walk us through your military journey and your career from non-commissioned officer to commissioned officer as maybe some of our listeners don't know that's not really the the traditional route most people either go the non-commissioned route which is joining the service um, after high school. And then a lot of officers traditionally start after or post college and go the officer route. Um, and it is, I guess, less common that somebody will go from non-commissioned going, joining the service after high school and then working themselves into a degree and then transitioning into the officer route. But then also you chose the special forces, um, in all amongst all those decisions so kind of talk us through that journey yeah absolutely it uh i'll try and be as succinct as possible over uh <laughs> upcoming you know get, closing in on three decades which sounds weird i remember those guys yeah. when i was younger uh every <laughs> one of those guys is retired now and uh you know now now i meet soldiers that were that were born five years after i came in the army or six or seven and it's just that's wild it's, it's a humbling experience right so it yeah. uh uh, and, and trying to keep up with them. But yeah, so I, I after, uh, as I said, I was, for me, it was go out and work on a ranch in Wyoming, which sounded great, or uh, or join the Army. Uh, my, my father had actually been, uh, had enlisted, he dropped out of college, I had a full ride, dropped out, and, and ended up going into Special Forces right away back in the early 60s. And then from there, he left and went to West Point. Uh, and so I decided that, uh, you know, it would probably be pretty easy to uh, dime store psychoanalyze me and say, hey, I'm just trying to keep up with my dad, probably, uh, uh, but uh, but it's been a great path to keep up with, and and it was really inspiring. And so what I did after high school is I, I joined and uh, as, as, a, as an infantryman in 11 Bravo. So just, uh, I was a, a private uh, private one, uh, the lowest rank you can come in, and uh, and went out to basic training, went through jump school, went to, uh, and then ended up going to, uh, to the 75th Ranger Regiment, where I grew up. Uh, on a machine gun team. And then I left as a fire team leader. So I was in charge of, you know, three other Rangers. And uh, that was all prior to the war. I left in early 2000 with the, uh, you know, obviously prior to everything 
everything happening uh, that's that's taken place over the last 20, 20 plus years. I always knew I was going to go to college, so I did. I got out. A uh, guy that uh, is now a uh, now a federal judge uh, uh, oh, was a uh, had graduated Florida State, and I was like, man, that sounds great. And so I went home. Went home for a semester. I was a I was a Ranger team leader on Friday, and on Monday I was sitting in philosophy one hundred and one uh, at uh, the local <laughs> community college back in Knoxville. Wow. And so it was. It was a pretty rapid transition. Uh, you juxtapose that with, with the the fantastic processes that they have now. Like when I got out, I went, uh, nice lady typed up on a typewriter uh, my DD two fourteen. <laughs> said, "Hey, tell me all the schools you went to, all your awards, this, that, and the other." She handed me a piece of paper and said, "Okay, you're out of the army." And I went and got in my car and I drove home. So that was it. Uh, wow. So it was it was pretty rapid, and uh, and so anyway, I I went to ended up moving down to Tallahassee that summer. Went to went to school. Ended up, um, I joined a 20th Special Forces Group, which is a National Guard uh, unit down there, uh, operating out of Florida, headquartered out out of Alabama. Yeah. I thought, boy, this is a great deal. And and the reason I did that was because I really missed the people. It just it, it became glaringly obvious to me when I got out that I really worked with some great folks. And so, yeah, I found out about the uh, Special Forces in the Guard. And decided to uh, to go check that out. I was already moving to Florida. Easy day. So I joined the Guard. Uh, eventually, about a year later, uh, I, I went to Special Forces Selection the first time as, as an E5, uh, so a sergeant. And uh, I ended up getting medically dropped right at the end. So that was pretty hard to take. Uh, but I said, hey, you can come back. I still have the sheet of paper uh, showing I was medically dropped. And, uh, and then they said, hey, you can come back. I went back to my unit. They pulled myself and another guy who had actually been a rain, uh, the Ranger Battalion with me, and they said, "Hey, we want you to to become officers and become detachment commanders because they were very short on on officers." I had no interest sure. whatsoever in becoming an officer, and I said, "No, thank you." I was told to sit back down by my company sergeant major and stop <laughs> being a selfish son of a gun and think about the unit. And uh, and so I said, "You know, how is this my problem? I don't want to do that. This is what I want to <laughs> do." Uh, but uh, but. So we came to a deal. I said, "Okay, I'll I'll join ROTC." And uh, and during that time, you know, I'll, I'll stay in the company and I'll learn how to be a detachment commander. And they said, "Okay, deal." Yeah. So I went the following week after I went back to college, and I signed my uh, I signed up for ROTC. So I don't folks may not know this, but when you sign in that third year, so I was going into my junior year. When you sign that, that is a military contract. So they now they now yep. got they they've got you. About. 10, eight to 10 days later, 9-11 happened. And oh. I was, you know, like everybody else, I was, I was with my then fiance, uh, school, school got canceled and, you know, I'm, I don't know what to think. Uh, the long story short on that is I ended up revoking my reserve contract so I could come back active, active duty. And then I crammed as many classes as possible uh, in so I could graduate early. So I ended up graduating in three and a half years because I, I didn't want to miss the war. Wow. Um, turns out that wasn't an issue. It, it would be around for a while. Uh, maybe I should have stayed for another semester with, with, and, and had a good time, but everything, everything happens for a reason and had a great time. So yeah, fast forward, I, I was commissioned as an artillery officer. I went straight to 10th mountain. Uh, I got there. I, I checked out on, uh, uh, I got in, checked in the unit and they give you, you know, 10 days to, to get settled. So Friday I checked, checked in, went home for the weekend. Hey, I'll see you in, I'll see you in 10 days or so. 
that Sunday night, I got a phone call. Hey, we just got emergency deployment orders. We're leaving uh, ASAP. Come in tomorrow. So I had about 36 hours of, uh, of what they call permissive TDY uh, to get my get my wife settled. It was just the two of us at the time. So 36 hours to get settled. Okay. Yeah, right. exactly. Now I didn't <laughs> leave the door. We did a couple weeks of train up and then we left, but uh, we still had everything packed up and because we had just moved in that week. So I went overseas. Uh, ended up doing a year uh, a year in Baghdad as a for I was a, a fire support officer and then I was a uh, and then I was a platoon leader for the last half and learned a lot of lessons. Uh, I refer to uh, I, I look back on that time as uh, I, I call myself a feral lieutenant uh, because I was just <laughs> given my platoon and told to go out and quote unquote secure your sector. I said, okay, sir, what does that mean? Just get out there, Dave, and go do it. Said, okay, all right, we'll give it a shot. And uh, so. That was from 04 to 05. I came back uh, immediately, uh, 72 hours after landing in New York. We were gone. My wife and I took some leave, and then I checked in to uh, uh, what, what was back then called ROPE, the Ranger uh, Officer Program, I believe it was, or orientation. Uh, I was I was going through the course to, to, to try and get back in the Ranger Regiment. I was successful yeah. and then ended up going back and was back in Iraq six months uh, six months after, after redeploying and did that a few times, ended up deciding, uh, my friend called me and said, Hey, once that time was up, special forces is taking, uh, taking out of your group waivers. So I called him up guy pulled up my record and he goes, yeah, we'll take you. And, uh, that was my application. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was pretty streamlined. It was 2007. I think they just needed people. Okay. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was the beneficiary of that. So I started that whole, whole, uh, um, whole journey. Did a few more, uh, another few trips to Iraq. Was actually there in 2011 when we shut down, and uh, as, a, as a detachment commander, and then was I volunteered to go back and and teach the course. So I did that for for a couple of years. Got my master's degree at National Defense University, and then uh, and then and then uh, moved to moved uh, up and did a few more trips after that. Uh, and then eventually in 2021, I, I was selected for battalion command and fifth special forces group. And, uh, which I have to say, I've had a lot of great jobs, uh, that I've probably gone into too much detail on, but, uh, uh, but that was, that was absolutely, I think one of, if not the best, I mean, just to be able to serve and, and have that many folks, you know, typical special forces detachment has 12, 12 people on it. Uh, and, and this having an entire battalion. So 18 of those teams plus all the support folks that go into it in the headquarters it just being surrounded by that wow. many fantastic people uh was was great uh, did another trip uh over there this time uh, as you mentioned John uh, had the had command of the task force and then uh, and then came back and was selected for another battalion command which is where I'm at now which is you know the honor of a lifetime getting to help shape and and mentor the next uh, the next generation that's going to take on whatever whatever comes in the future so I'm not an instructor as I was back, uh, back. We've got phenomenal instructors out there who, who really, really care and the level of care that they take to put in with these, uh, with the students that are going through is, uh, is remarkable. And, uh, you know, they're, they're taking their 10, 15, sometimes 20 plus years of experience and trying to transpose that into these new students, which I'm sure is overwhelming. Uh, but, uh, yeah, cause the experiences are very different than when I, when I went through the course where a lot of us yeah. were combat veterans. So. And that is uh, uh, almost 27 years uh, is probably a little bit too long, but 
In Man. some ways, it probably went by in a blink, and in other ways, it, you enjoyed each each moment, and it was a, a lifetime of experience. I imagine it is. I am. I I suffer from an embarrassment of riches, and you're absolutely right. It, it's it's gone by. You know, when you say you know, when you when you put a number to it, it it's I'm like no, that can't be right. <laughs> that, yeah, that that can't be right. But it is. Dave, I, you know, I'm smiling when you're talking about these deployments and, you know, you did 11 deployments, almost 27 years or just over 27 years in, in the army. And I'm, I'm smiling because you're probably a lot like me. We, when we're on these deployments, when we're on these gut wrenching moves or, you know, these, these transitions that we aren't really looking forward to, it's. It, there's some experience of a little bit of pain and adjustment and the the mindset of fluidity and, and perseverance. But I know that when I would get home after a deployment, <laughs> you know, and people would ask how it was or how it went, I'd always think, oh, man, it was so much fun. We had such a great time. And, and I can only remember the, the good things. Um, and you kind of tend to block out the bad, which is interesting because, you know, when you think about customer service and, you know, a restaurant or hotel providing a service, it's always the negative things that people remember. But I think military guys are, are wired a little different. We always remember the good stuff and uh, kind of dwell on those. Well, at least I do. And when we come back from a deployment, I think, oh, I could do that again. Yeah, it was not a big deal. And then if somebody told me, oh, you got to go spend nine more months in Iraq or Afghanistan, I think, oh, my goodness. What did I volunteer for? No. Is that is that kind of your um, history? Absolutely, it's it is it is unique, right? It uh, as you mentioned, it's you look back and and sure there are the times where where you remember the bad the bad that happened, of course, and uh, there's you know so not not trying to romanticize it in any way, and and back to yeah, of course, know, what what my dad, the reason that he told me, you know, some of the reasons not to, right, when I initially joined is. You know, being a Vietnam veteran uh, as an infantryman like us, that that was, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a rough road to hoe. Uh, sure. And so, but yeah, it's I've just always loved the people. I've loved the mission. You know, I, I, I love our country. I want you know I want to defend it, and uh, and so I've been afforded that opportunity and and getting getting the chance to do that and do it in in the manner that I've been able to do has been has been fantastic. It's it's humbling. If I looked back, you know, if you went back to 97 or, or even 2000 or shoot yesterday and said, hey, mapped out my career and said, hey, here's here's what you, the opportunities, the people that you're going to be able to work with and things you're going to be able to do. I, there's no way I would have believed it and said, absolutely yeah. not. But, you know, here we are. So, David, just I want to sort of recap a few things and step by step here. So you had you as a teenager had some rebellious tendencies that you channeled into the pursuit of the special forces and you didn't make it through the first time you got med dropped. Um, and then you reapplied at some point, made it through and you, you basically, you take these setbacks, these, um, obstacles that have happened in each stage and you look at it more as an opportunity and I imagine when you're faced with each of these, tell, tell us about the mindset you have, because we're, we're talking about the second act here, people who are contemplating or in something significantly different that typically involves a lot of challenges in what they do. What is, what is the mindset that you have that you've learned 
over your experiences and through life that you can share with our audience that's helped you uh, enter each new phase of your career and and maybe where you want to go next? Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. It, it, it mindsets like a lot of things, right? Shift over time. When I was when I was young, when I first started, hey, can I do this? I wanted an adventure. That was my primary thing. And uh, you know, my like most young men, I wanted to get out. I wanted to use my craft and 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 do what we were trained to do. And then, but over time, right, as as experience happens, I I was I was a young single teenager when I started. Now I'm you know married almost 22 years. I've got two kids. Life is very different, right? And and yeah. So now, like mindset, it started as a challenge, and then every time I wanted to to go somewhere else and do something else. One, well, first off, my wife has been an absolute, you know, I don't, I don't know what metal, uh, she deserves, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, yep. it far exceeds anything that I can give her. Uh, she's always supported me and really, truly believes. And in fact, I discussed one time getting out with her and she, uh, she surprised me. She'd never said anything like this before. She said, you know, I'm really proud of what we do. And I- I'm, I'm proud of that. And, and, you know, this is 2007 time frame, and uh, she said, "So I, I don't get out on my account." And I said, "Well, okay." And here we are, uh, 16 <laughs> years later. So it's, uh, but as far as mindsets, you know, each time I've 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 tried something new, I just want to. I've changed jobs so many times, as as most people do in the in the military, right? You very rarely do the same thing over and over again. But I've changed different units. Uh, over time and and I've always enjoyed the challenge and frankly I think that's part of what has kept me uh, kept me going and, and motivated and sharp to to continue because I always have to prove myself uh and you know wherever you go if you're the, if you're the new person if you're the new person around uh, nobody knows you and you can't really rest on your laurels so it's been it's been a lot of fun yeah. and and then once I crossed uh, you know once I got older and, and truly now it is you know what can I give back to those that come after me, you know, take these, these experiences. And if I could, if I could download it on a USB drive and hand it to to the students, say, Hey, here's, here's all the ways that I've messed up. Right. And here, here's some things that work, but more importantly, I think here are the things that I did that didn't work, uh, that hopefully would, would make them and those that they serve with better and, you know, potentially save somebody's life down the road. So that's really what's kept me going over the years. And I mean, your story, you've been thrust into into circumstances, situations where you didn't have any experience in some cases and you were just asked to lead. Uh, did you ever have like moments of self-doubt or imposter syndrome, something we talk about occasionally? Uh, or has there been like a major setback, you know, in, in the course of those 20-something years that has it's just been sort of jarring to you and how did you persevere through that i think our audience would love to hear from your perspective yeah, just absolutely. giving your very unique background I- imposter syndrome is uh is very real uh it is real <laughs> i think i think in anybody that doesn't uh that that doesn't have that or, or you know you don't have to say it out loud but i think everybody knows that it really is like can i measure up and uh and for the longest time, again, it's it shifted over time, and I was really genuinely nervous before taking new positions and whatnot. You naturally become more comfortable over time, but eventually I kind of looked at it and said, okay, now at least I have a, and this is where training comes in, right, is w- in whatever yep. you do. Once you've done it a few times and train, you gain confidence that, okay, I've done, I've done this, yeah. so therefore 
you know, it doesn't mean I can do that, but at least I, I know that I can learn something new. Right. And then, and then with the challenges and uh, how do you get over imposter syndrome? I think it's healthy to, to frankly, not really ever get over it because if you start resting on your laurels and say, Hey, I got this, uh, you know, there's, that's when, that's when I think people can miss a step because there's always somebody coming behind you that, uh, uh, that, that is really working hard and really going after it. And so, um, you know, and, and people think of, you know, you talk about failure as success as a linear pro linear path when it's very much not, as I think everybody yeah. knows it's been around for a minute. It's, it's got <laughs> peaks and it's got valleys. And I yep. think you learn a lot about yourself. If you can take those valleys, do a good autopsy on it and then pull a lesson or two out of it. And it doesn't have to be grand every time. Right. But it's still, it, it's still, if you can learn those, if you can learn those, those lessons. Uh, and I've tried to do that every time. Sometimes it takes a while. You have to think about something and, and, you know, frankly, get over your pity party, however, uh, however, uh, <laughs> big that may be. But, but eventually I'll try and look back on something and, and try and pull a lesson out of it. And, and, you know, it's not, I don't have a system for it. It's just when you think about it, okay, what, what can I do better the next time, uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen. And then just keep trying because, you know, back to the imposter syndrome, you know, there's nothing, Jeff Bezos didn't, didn't wake up, uh, or Elon Musk is the two richest people in the world, right? They, they're just yep. normal people that had an idea and then pursued it and, and went after it. And I think that everybody's, everybody starts the same way. Sure. You have different circumstances that everybody grows up in. So don't discount that. But at the end of the day, we're all people. And if, if they can do it, then you can do it. And that, that's really something that I, you know, after I had a couple successes, I said, okay, if that person can do it, you know, I may not be able to do it as well, but, but I know I can, I know I can do it. So that's, sure. that's got me through a lot more than, uh, uh, than I would care to admit, but, uh, but it's been pretty helpful over the years. Yeah, that's good. That's a great framework to think about is everyone's human. And like you said, everyone maybe is starting from a slightly different place. Uh, but if you look to your neighbor to the left and to the right, and they're doing something that, that you want to do and, and that they're, they're just that person, just like you, it's a good sort of motivation, like, Hey, I can do it too. Um, I think those, it's pretty powerful to think about in that way. Yeah. We may not, you know, achieve, uh, I don't even know how many numbers are in Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk's net worth these days. Uh, and I don't know if that's really. Yeah, you know, maybe it's the goal for some people, but um, I think just the the ability to persevere and push through and and accomplish something like not quitting is really gets you eighty eighty percent of the way there. Uh, the other ten twenty percent is probably learning some skills. Dave, I I'm typically uh, going back and asking a lot of our guests to go back and and ask them things about their past that. Um, kind of amplifies where they're at today, but I'm going to throw you a curveball and I'm going to have you yeah. jump ahead because transition is inevitable. And, and while you look like you've probably got another decade of good years and yet still in uniform, you know, and, and still fit and trim and probably in the, the prime of your career, um, at some point in the future, um, we all have to leave and we all have to leave the service. They won't keep us indefinitely. <laughs> Um, but that period's going to come where you have to retire from the military and start your second act. 
So how are you thinking about transition, whether that's one year, five years, 10 years down the road? And what steps, if any, are you taking to prepare for that change? Because here at the second act, we talk to a lot of people who have already made that transition, but you're one of the first guests who we get to see a sneak peek into what they're doing to get ready for that. John, I was going to ask you what I should do, but, uh, but no, (laughs) don't start a podcast. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, it it comes for us all. Like you said, right? Like chairman of the joint chiefs, uh, Millie, uh, resigned or sorry, retired, not resigned, retired, uh, earlier this, uh, earlier this year. Right. So no matter where you are, you're going to leave service and and your, your odds are you're going to do something else. And, and so if I said I never thought about it, that would obviously be be untrue. But I don't have a defined plan yet. But I've I've honed in right now. I'm really focused on learning, because as especially with the operational tempo over the last twenty plus years, right? It's been it's been very difficult to do a lot of things, and so that is where I've really tried to learn because I don't want to cram that learning into twelve months when the pressure is on. And so yep. that's that's where yeah. I'm at right now. I do know a few things that that I look at and, you know, and you can call them pillars uh, or just things that I'm looking for. And one is I want to, I want to spend time with my family as I think most folks do when they, when they retire out of the military, yep. I want to do something that, that helps make a difference. And, and I want to work with great people and, and, yep. and then get paid. Right. And so, and I think that those, those places exist. And so as I look at, uh, as I look at things, I look at incorporating those different things where, my passion and experience kind of overlap. And so I don't know exactly where that's at. I'm yeah interested in, and I've, I've talked with a lot of folks and, and just watching, I think there's a lot of improvement that can take place. There's a really, there's a, there's a budding relationship between, uh, the, 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 uh, tech, uh, tech industry and DOD, much like there was during the cold war, wherever, where we work together. And so yeah. that has kind of re it's, it's a rekindled relationship. And so looking at that is an area where it can, could continue to potentially give back to, uh, in defense of the nation and help arm those that, that, uh, that come after me. Uh, but, uh, you know, and using the experiences that I've had over the years, but that's just an idea, uh, as I, as I continue yeah. to go out right now, I'm focused yeah. on producing the best green berets that I can and, and, uh, <laughs> and then whatever the army has in store for me next. And, uh, and so that, uh, um, but we will see where it goes. And, and every day, you know, just having conversations that I've had with y'all has been, has been great because I get to, you know, I learn something every single time and it's uh, it's fantastic. Absolutely. So I appreciate it. Well, if you need a lead into the tech sector, I think I may know a guy. <laughs> yeah. So I do, I, you know, I, 18 years in tech is, has been uh, quite the experience in and of itself. And uh, I know folks who have transitioned out of the military into some cool tech companies uh, that are supporting uh, national security, uh, local law enforcement, things like that. Um, so there are really interesting paths to take there, but it sounded like, you know, you're, you're establishing your roadmap. In our world, we build a roadmap for products. In this case, the product is yourself and you're trying to build skills uh, and expertise that marries your military experience with, with what the civilian experience, um, is looking for in those roles. And I, I think that's a really great idea so that you can sort of, you know, you may have some idea that is the end in mind and work your way backwards as to what I need to get there. 
um, all the while, you know, continuing to serve uh, our country. So I, I think you're, that's a really smart path to be on, Dave. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And, and not, not to brag, but I did get the whole computer set up all by myself uh, this morning. So, you know, <laughs> feel like I'm pretty well qualified. Awesome. You're <laughs> hired. <laughs> um, what, whenever, whenever you do decide, uh, or the military decides for you that, that it's, it's time to part ways, what are some of the most important things you'll take away from your time served in the military and being part of the special forces community? There's so much, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I've been really fortunate. I've, I've worked for some, I've worked for and with just the absolute best people in the world. And it's been, it's been fantastic. And it's, it's not all roses, right? There, there's, there are some, uh, there are some, some not along the way that, that, that you don't get along with, but that's in, that's in every job and every, every relationship that you have. Right. And so, but for me, uh, the people that you work with really matter. The primary reason that, that I'm still serving is because I get to wake up and work with the best our nation has to offer on a daily basis. And so who I work with is just as important to me as what I get to do, uh, so that you, you enjoy that you enjoy your time doing that. Right. You can, if you're with your best friends, you can go out and dig a ditch and, and probably have a good time if you're out there, uh, enjoying yourself. Um, and fortunately there are a lot of opportunities out there where you can find both, uh, you know, what you want to do that overlap with, with working with great people. And so, you know, but the biggest lesson that I've learned specifically from special forces is that, and this is something that I kind of look for, uh, or will look for in the future is when you take a small group of well-trained and enabled and motivated individuals, you can have outsized impacts, right? So how many people have you Sorry. all reached between the two of you and your podcast and what you're doing? And so, you know, I've seen it time and time again with very small teams that when senior leaders find out like that, that's, that's the magic. They look behind the curtain, uh, and see that, that, that the wizard is just one guy standing there. It, uh, <laughs> it, it's blown their minds and you know, how can that many people, yeah. Uh, have this outsized impact. And so I think that that's, that's something that's pretty important to me. And, uh, going forward is, is finding that, finding that area where I can continue to do that and, and work with like-minded folks. Yeah. I, I can attest to that mindset and thought in the private sector. I've worked with very small, but highly talented teams. Um, and one of the books that influenced me in the way that I've worked with and four teams is called the culture code. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a really outstanding read and there's some special forces stories in there. Uh, but the, to your point, like the, it comes down to the people who have the right character, the right skills, uh, and, and know how to work together. And it, it's just an amazing feeling when it sort of comes together and you have those opportunities to make those significant impacts. It's a, it's intoxicating actually. Yeah. And, and I'm going to highlight something, Dave, that I saw this morning actually. And I was on your LinkedIn page and there was a reference um, or a comment from, from somebody that you used to work with. And he wrote, Dave is a legend, exclamation point. And for those of, uh, those of our listeners that aren't in the military, I'm going to tell you that a reference like that or a comment like that that's left isn't because Dave Lucas is this amazing superhero 
um, with guns strapped to his back who goes in busting down doors, guns blazing, and does these amazing things on his own. You get something like that from a superior, from somebody that you've led that truly believes in you as a leader, that truly sees you doing the things that you expect others to do, putting your money where your mouth is. And so, Dave, that that stuck out to me that you truly are in the right place right now. You truly are leading with effectiveness and authority because your troops and the people that you command trust you. And so that that's I wanted to highlight that because not every person that serves, not every officer, especially not every high ranking officer has comments left from superiors out there in the public. And that just really stuck out to me. So um, I wanted to say thanks for your service and thanks for doing it well and leading the way so many people try to do um, and aspire to do. So congratulations on that, man. Well, thanks, John. I, I got to admit, you caught me there. I wasn't expecting that. I, uh, <laughs> that uh, no, thank you. It's like I said, it's it's all about the people and it, it really is. And, and I've had, I've been very, very fortunate. I've been surrounded and have more blessings than I can imagine. Uh, and, it, and those all start with the, the people that are in my life and, and have been. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, Dave, wrapping things up, are there any final thoughts or advice you want to share with our audience um, before we, before we go to closing I, again? These people are potentially starting their second act or getting things prepared to step into that next chapter. What would you want to leave them with? What would you want to be left with um, before you transitioned out? I will, first off, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on here. I've really enjoyed talking with y'all and, and it just it's an honor to be a small part of, of what you guys are building and, and very much appreciate it. You know, for, for the audience, this, is, this may be cliche, yeah, I'm certainly not the uh, uh, the original author on this, but you know, figure out whatever it is uh, that you want to do, and then just go for it. I meet people time and time again. I meet young soldiers, and and they find out what I do. It's pretty apparent because we like to wear all of our flair on uh, on our uniform. So I'll have uh, I'll have uh, young young soldiers come up and approach me, and and I tell them, I said, look, I don't know anything about you other than the ten seconds that we've been talking, but I but go try. You don't want to years down the road think that, well, what if I had done this? And what if I had done that? I failed at things along the way. I, I've, uh, but I've been fortunate to have, have some successes, but it's only because I would have zero if I didn't try, uh, you know, Hey, everybody's six foot tall and 200, 215 pounds of pure muscle that this succeeds. Well, I'm not. Uh, and so does that mean that it was a little bit harder at times? Absolutely. Uh, but you, you yeah. can do it and you just gotta, you just gotta work at it. And there, there are too many examples. It's what I tell my son. There are just too many examples of people that have had success just getting out there and, and starting from scratch, right? And the, 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 the more stories that I listen to and that I read on success, uh, particularly within, within the business world, it's, it's really funny when people talk about, about some of the success they've had. Uh, one that comes to mind is, is, uh, Sarah Blakely, uh, the founder of Spanx. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, she, she just, she just made it up as she went along and, you know, <laughs> yeah. listen to her tell her story is, is hilarious. And, uh, and it's inspiring because it's like, why not just go do it? 
if at the end yeah. of the day you may you 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 may have to move on to something else but maybe you won't maybe maybe that's it and but you'll never yeah. know if you don't try so it's good yeah that's really good that's yeah that's a great way to to end the main portion of this and dave you have certainly been one of our most interesting guests i mean your background is uh unique to say the least and we thank you very much for your continued service to our country you and and your fellow teammates um in the military if active duty folks military veterans or anyone who's found value in your story wants to find you reach out to you what's the best way to do that uh, i i think uh i think linkedin is probably the best and uh okay. as i i it's where we met and it's been it's been great i've enjoyed building a relationship with folks and so just under uh, Dave Lucas and uh, pitcher looks just like me, so it, uh, uh, yeah, would love to uh, love to talk with some uh, with some more folks. Perfect, good. Yeah, and there's there's I'll just second that you've got some really great posts out there. Um, one is about your ultra marathon. Another one is about you taking your son out for the camping trip, and I think the third one I I found really valuable was about your dad's uh, delinquency report from from West Point. So um, I encourage whoever wants to find Dave, get out there and, and look at some of his content that he's pushing out because it's, it's very valuable. So, man, thank you so much, Dave, for taking time to talk to us today, to share some of the lessons you've learned and the journey that you're on with our listeners. Um, we'll be sure to include... Uh, the links to your information in the episode details. And we look forward to reconnecting with our audience next week. But man, Dave, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dave. It's been an honor. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Michael. It's been it's been a great, great time. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya. The second act with Michael and John stars Michael Newborn and John Ballinger. The podcast is produced by Seltzer Kings. For more information on the show, check out michaelandjohn.com. Or if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, give the guys a shout on their socials at The Second Act with Michael and John on most platforms. Thanks for listening. Oh, yes.